0: Hello, you are listening to TanachStudy.com. My name is Jonathan Snowbell, and we are studying the fourth of six sections of Parashat Bamidbar today. Today we will be reading and looking into the first census of the tribe of Levi in the third chapter of Sefer Bamidbar, beginning from Pasuk fourteen, verse fourteen. Vaidaber Adonai el Moshe b'Midbar Sinai lemor. And Hashem spoke to Moshe in the wilderness of Sinai, saying, Levi levet avotam kol Zachar mi ben Count the sons of Levi by their father's households, by their families, every male from one month and upward, you shall count. We will note already, as we've noted in the past, this census is different than the previous census that was done from 20 years and older. By a significant deal, this is done from one month and older. Al So Moshe counted them according to the word of Hashem, just as he had been commanded. Vayu Levi bishmotam Gershon These then are the sons of Levi by their names Gershon and Kehat and Rari. These are the names of the sons of Gershon by their families, Livni and Shim'i. And the sons of Kehat by their families, Amram and Yitzhar, Hevron and Uziel. We'll note that Amram is Moshe and Aaron's father. Yitzhar is later going to be connected to the parasha of... Korach. And the sons of Merari by their families, Machli and Mushi. These are the families of the Leviim according to their fathers' households. And, and with that, we conclude the introductory paragraph to the census of the Leviim, We mentioned the three main sons of Levi and their sons. And now we begin the actual census according to those three families of Gershon, Kehat, and Mirari. Legerishon, Mishpachat HaLivni, Mishpachat HaShimi'i, Eilahem Mishpachot HaGerishoni. Av Gershon was the family of Livni and the family of Shimi. These were the families of Gershon. Pikudehem bemispar kol Zachar miBen chodesh vama'ala, Pikudehem sheva'at alafim vachamish their numbered men in the numbering of every male from one month and upward, their numbered men were seven thousand five hundred. Yama the families of Gershon were to camp behind the Mishkan to the west. ben Lael, and the leader of the fathers' households of Gershon was El Yasaf, the son of Lael. Um Mimerrit bene Gershon be ohhelmoed Hamishkan veha ohhel Mi sehu umaasach Umasach pettah ohhel mored and the duties of the sons of Gershon in the tent of meeting involved the Mishkan and the tent, its covering and the screen for the doorway of the tent of meeting ve herhatzer vet masach pettah ferhatzer a she alamishkan ve al haizberg. The eight Metarav Licholabodoto, and the hangings of the court, and the screen for the doorway of the court which is around the Mishkan and the altar, the Mizbeach, and its cords according to all the service concerning them. In each section of the families of the Levim, which we now have read the first of the four, of the three, up to the end of Pasuk Kafvav, verse twenty six, regarding the family of Gershon we are going to find the following major information. How many males from the age of one month and older are there? Where did they reside around the Mishkan? And what was their specific duty? About Gershon, we know the following information then. There were 7,500 males from one month and older. They resided to the west of the Mishkan, which based on what we've learned earlier in Sefer Bimidbar means that they camp adjacent to the camp of Ephraim. Their job was to transfer all the external trappings of the Mishkan, the tent, the covers, the internal curtains, the curtains that surrounded the courtyard of the Mishkan. That was their job. Now we will continue with Pasuk 27 and the family of Kehat. (laughs) Velikhat, Mishpachat HaAmrami, ו'Mishpachat HaYitzhari, ומשפחת החברוני ומשפחת האוזיאלי אלה הם משפחות הכהתי was the family of Amram and the family of Yitzhar and the family of Hebron and the family of Oziel these were the families of Kehat במספר in the numbering of every male from a month and old and upward there were 8,600 performing the duties of the Kodesh, the sanctuary. Mishpachot b'nei Kehat al Yer mishkan The families of the sons of Kehat were to camp on the south side of the Mishkan. Unisi ha Elitzafan ben Uziel. And the leader of the fathers' households of the Kehat family was Elitzafan, the son of Uziel. Notice, Uziel is the third of the four sons of Kehat. And their duties involved the Ark, the Table, the Menorah, the Lamp, the Altars, the two Altars, the Mizbeach the copper altar and the golden altar, and the utensils of the sanctuary which with which they minister, and the screen and all the service concerning them. And al azar the son of Aharon the Kohen, was the chief of the leaders of Levi, and had the oversight of those who performed the duties of the Kodesh, of the sanctuary. It is important to note here that there are two leaders mentioned. Elitzafan, the son of Uziel, is the leader of the family of Kehat. And Elazar, the son of Aharon, who is also from the family of Kehat, he oversees the entire tribe of Levi. So each family has its own specific leader, as we saw by Gershon, as we saw by Kehat, as we will see by Merari. And additionally, there is a head of the entire tribe, and that is Elazar, the son of Aaron HaKohen. We will continue now with Pasuk Lamid Gimel, the 33rd verse, with the family of Merari. Limrari, Mishpachat HaMachli, U Mishpachat HaMushi, Elahem Mishpachot Merari. Av Merari was the family of Machli, and the family of Mushi. These were the families of Merari. Ufkudahem bemispar kol zakhar ben Chodesh their alafim numbered men, and the numbering of every male from a month and old and upward were sixty-two hundred. Mishpachot Yachanu The leaders of the fathers' households in the family of Merari was Tzuriel, the son of Avichael. They were to camp on the northward side of the of the Mishkan. And the appointed duties of the Sons of Merari involve the frames of the Mishkan, its bars, its pillars, its sockets, all its equipments and the service concerning them. And the pillars around the court with their sockets and their pegs in their court. Now we will just go back to both mishpach, uh, the families of Kehat and Merari, to point out their specifics. Kehat is a family of 8600 males over one month old. Kehat resides to the south of the Mishkan, near the camp of Reuven, a fact that will become significant later on in Parashat Korach. The job of Mishpachat Kehat, the family of Kehat, is to carry all of the holy vessels all of the Kelim, the aron, the Shulchan, the Menorah, the two Mizbachot. Mirari, which we just read now, has 6,200 males over a month old. They camp to the north, adjacent to the camp of Dan. And their job is to carry all of the heaviest parts of the Mishkan, the wooden pillars of the Mishkan, and the wooden beams of the courtyard, and all those related parts. This heavy task will manifest itself in Parashat Naso, When Moshe receives six wagons and twelve ox as a donation from the leaders, the princes of the tribes, four of those six wagons and eight of those twelve oxen will go to the, to the family of Mirari to help them shoulder this heavy, heavy, heavy load. The final two psukim of this section, Vachonim, Lifne Mored Moshe Uvanav Shomrim Hamikdash Israel Hakarev Now those who were to camp before the Mishkan eastward, before the tent of meeting, toward the sunrise are Moshe and Aharon and his sons, performing the duties of the Mishkan for the obligation of the sons of Israel. But the foreigner who shall come near was to be put to death. Moshe, Aharon, and his sons once again are mentioned together as a group. Based on what we said previously, we should call this the Kohanim section. Moshe, an honorary Kohen, as we previously said, for his temporary role in the seven days of Miloim, and for his permanent role entering the Mishkan regularly. This Kohanim section camps to the east, adjacent to the camp of Yehuda, and with the rule that we've already mentioned before, the Hazar Hakarev Yumat, the foreigner who comes near shall be put to death. And the final tally, in the thirty-ninth verse, Call Pikudei Halavim, Asher Pakad Moshe veAharon al Pi Adunai le All the numbered men of the Levi'im whom Moshe and Aharon numbered at the command of Hashem by their families, every male from a month old and upward were 22,000. Thus, according to the final verse in the section, verse 39, the grand tally of the male Levi'im from one month and older is 22,000. There are two major questions that need to be discussed about this total. First of all, a mathematical question. The subtotals for Gershon, Kehat, and Merari were 7,500, 8,600, and 6,200. A quick math equation will get us to 22,300. So jarring is this discrepancy that Bible scholars who do not believe in the divinity and accuracy of the Torah claim, with no actual justification in other sources, that 8,600 in Kehat is a mistake and it should be 8,300, thus adding the subtotals to 22,000. This, of course, is an explanation as believers in the Torah that we cannot accept. If we would want to claim... That the Torah was rounding off numbers and 22,300 is approximately 22,000. We only have to read in the next section of the parashah to see that 22,000 is a precise number. It is precisely 273 less than the number of firstborn in Amisrael. Therefore, the number 22,000 is not a rounded off number, but a precise number. So this is question number no, number 1. Why is there a mathematical discrepancy between the subtotals 22,300 and the total that the Torah records of 22,000? The second question is a even perhaps even more troubling question. Why are there so few men in the tribe of Levi? Let us review the numbers of the other tribes. And when we do so, we will find a troubling comparison. Menasheh seems to be the smallest tribe at 32,200. But we've already previously claimed that Menasheh should be paired up with Ephraim's 40,500, which pushes them well over 70,000. And this is the second largest tribe of Yosef after Yehuda. So then Binyamin becomes the smallest tribe with 35,400, followed by Asher with 41,500. Those are the two smallest tribes in a census from 20 years and older, while the tribe of Levi has a mere 22,000 or 22,300 from one month and older. The Ramban asks this question and strengthens the question with the following claim. ostensibly. Shevet Levi is a more chosen tribe. They should have more because their bracha, their blessing from God, should be greater. He posits two opposing theories. One theory is as follows. Chazal claim that the Levim were not enslaved in Egypt. The Ramban says this confirms Chazal's theory that they were not slaves. Thus, the bracha of God that countered the slavery in Egypt, as they were afflicted, so they grew, did not apply to them. Or in other words, the tribe of Levi just grew at a regular pace. Thus, according to this theory, there's an irony. Shevet Levi was not enslaved in Egypt, they were in Egypt, but not as slaves, which is a blessing on the one hand, but on the other hand, as a result of the fact that they were not slaves, they didn't grow as fast as the rest of B'nai Israel. The Ramban's second theory, an opposing theory, points out a negativity in the tribe of Levi. Yaakov had very harsh words to say against Shimon and Levi at the end of his life in Parshat VaYechi. How does this apply itself? Shimon was plagued in a violent manner at the end of Sefer Bamidbar to reach his low numbers from fifty-nine thousand three hundred in the first census in Parshat Bamidbar to 22,200 in the second census in Parshat Pinchas, approximately 38 years later, a negative growth of 37,100. This negative growth is only partially answered by the plague at the end of Parshat Balak, in which 24,000 people died, in the plague in the aftermath of the sin of Baal Peor. However, it reaches a number that should be very familiar to us, 22,200 is very reminiscent of our census of Levi, which falls somewhere between 22,000 and 22,300 as we've mentioned. According to the Ramban then, both Levi and Shimon deserve to be small tribes, shimon reached its low number in a violent fashion but levi was just not as fruitful as the other tribes to reach its low number a kinder less violent fate rabbi elchanan samet reviews these two theories of the ramban and he does not like the first theory number one he claims that the first theory is not based on information in the torah we have to assume that the levim were not slaves in egypt a fact that's never mentioned explicitly in the Torah. Number two, according to the chronology in Sefer Shemot, the super growth of B'nai Yisrael takes place before the slavery begins. B'nai Yisrael grew at at a rapid pace, and they filled the land, and that is what was the impetus to the slavery. So it is true that subsequently, after the slavery begins, the growth of Bene Israel continues, and is described as continues, but Levi should have grown at a great pace as well, before the slavery began. The second theory, in contrast, is based on the Pesukim and Parashat Vayichi, and it joins the fate of Shimon and Levi around the number of 22,000. And and for that reason, Rabbi Samet prefers the second theory of the Ramban. We will now return to our first question. The discrepancy between 22,000 as the total recorded in the final pasuk of this section and 22,300 as the total of the subtotals of each independent family. Rashi asks this question and he says, when you look at the details, you find 300 more. Rashi answers that, as we are going to read in the following section, the Levi'im are coming to replace the firstborn, the Bechorim. There were 22,000 Levi'im to redeem the firstborns. However, 300 of the Levi'im were firstborns themselves. Therefore, despite the fact that there were 22,300 Levi'im, the 300 firstborn Levi'im, could not be counted to redeem the firstborns because they had to redeem themselves so posits rashi one final point on this section is the dots on the word aharon all the numbered men of the levi'im whom moshe and aharon counted why are there dots on the word aharon Rashi claims based on the Gemara and Masachet Bechorot that the dots on the word Aharon are to imply that Aharon was not counted in the the counting in the census of the Levim. Of course this begs the question, what does it mean that Aharon was not counted amongst the Levim? Moshe was counted according to this comment of Rashi, why is Aharon different? This might lead us to a broader question of the relationship between the Kohanim and the Levim. As we've previously mentioned, and we will discuss further in, in the next uh, section of the parashah, we've discussed why the Levim were chosen. Are the Levim a special tribe per se? Were the Levim chosen because of their role in Chet HaEgel? that begs a further question is why is why are the Kohanim chosen are the Kohanim chosen as a special section within Shevet Levi or is there a different reason that the Kohanim were chosen if Shevet Levi is a special tribe from its birth just like some of the other tribes that we've claimed in the past are special so then we could say that the Kohanim are a special unit within this special tribe. However, if Shevet Levi was chosen because of their role in, in Chet HaEgel, then there is a certain amount of irony here. Because Aharon had a very negative role within Chet Egel. How is it that he is in a special unit that is chosen because of their lack of participation in Chet HaEgel? is Aharon chosen because of his role in Chet HaEgel? Because he led the people or allowed the people to be led astray, he needs to be the one who corrects that situation? Or perhaps, is Aharon chosen despite his role in Chet HaEgel? He is pre-chosen. This depends on a the question of the chronology of the Sefer Shemot. In Sefer Shemot, before the description of Chet HaEgel, when the commandment of the Mishkan is described prior to the Chet HaEgel, to the sin of the golden calf, in those same verses, Harun is described as being chosen as the Kohen in Parshat Tetzaveh. That being the case, if we assume that the order of the Torah in Sefer Shemot is also the chronology, then Aharon was chosen as the Kohen, Kohen, A, regardless of his relations to Shevet Levi, and B, he was chosen prior to the Chet HaEgel, to the sin of the golden calf. However, if the chronology is, if the order of Sefer Shemot is not in the chronology, and perhaps as some suggest, the commandment to build the Mishkan took place after the sin of the golden calf, then the choice of Aharon comes after the sin of the golden calf. However, between these two theories, there is one common thread. If Aharon is chosen before the sin of the golden calf, as in the order of the psukim in Sefer Shemot, then he is chosen not as a relation to Shevet Levi, because Shevet Levi is not even chosen at that point. When we read the commandment to make the close of the Qohanim, there's the Qohanim, there are no Levi'im at that point. If Aharon is chosen in the aftermath of the Cheta Egel, so it's once again not because of his relation to Shevet Levi, because Shevet Levi did not participate in Cheta Egel, they led... The charge against the worshippers of the sin of the golden calf, while Aharon, perhaps, was not guilty of the sins of the of the golden calf, but he certainly helped the people in reaching this sin. Thus, it makes sense what we see here: the dots on Aharon and Rashi's comment that Aharon is not counted as part of Shevet Levi; he has his own independent relationship with God and reason for his role that do not relate to his placement in Shevet Levi. What we saw today in this Shi'ur was then the census of the tribes of Levi, their roles, their numbers, where they camped, and we discussed at length the question of the numbers, the discrepancy between the subtotals and the total, and the question of why the tribe of Shevet Levi was so small in comparison to the other tribes. Tomorrow we will finally continue with the question of the relationship between the Leviim and the firstborn.